Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. How are you? I'm great. I also want to thank Jordan Evans. Jordan, thank you for recording today's podcast. We really appreciate the hard work that you put in uh, for this project. I'm really excited because we get to get you on the record on eschatology today. <laughs> That's right. So today we're looking at Daniel 7, which contains a incredibly detailed prophecy about the future. And we're going to be getting into uh, it a little bit and a little bit more about prophecy itself. So let's look at Daniel 7, 1 through 14. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked Thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Wow. So there is a lot going on there. And Jeff, you you gave a little bit of insight into it uh, the other day on Sunday, but I I thought it was good just to read the whole thing, just so if if people haven't heard uh, this kind of prophecy before in Daniel, just it's good just to hear it, to be exposed to it. But Let's, let's kind of let's kind of start broad. So, what what is Daniel seeing here? Why is God showing Daniel these visions? 
Well, so God is, is, is revealing these things to Daniel so that he would have some sense of what's to come. And we think about God, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And the thing about God is that nothing ever surprises him. And, you know, sometimes I feel like we are so myopic in our view of, of the world and eternity and heaven and God himself that, that it's hard to understand a being who is not limited like we are. Well, God is not limited, and so there is nothing that happens that catches him off guard. He is fully aware of everything before it happens. He knows the end from the beginning, uh, and he is God. And so part of what God is doing is communicating to Daniel uh, and then communicating through Daniel what is to come. Um, he's doing that in his great wisdom to uh, give Daniel some insight and to give his readers some insight into what lies ahead uh, in days to come. So just to go into the prophecy that I just read a little bit, Jeff, on Sunday you referenced that the four beasts are generally understood to be four kingdoms that ruled over Israel. So that would be Babylon, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. And I was just thinking about that today, about these uh, kingdoms and how God's giving Daniel this vision about these kingdoms before that even happened. Yeah. You know, the Babylon had already taken Daniel into captivity, but, you know, the Medo-Persians come along later. Uh, They had not come by the time Daniel had these particular night visions. And certainly the the Greeks and the Romans had not come and, you know, ruled over the land of Israel at this point. It reminded me of Jeremiah 25, where Jeremiah is telling the exiles, you know, there's going to be 70 years in Babylon, which, again, it's not that, you know, God is just giving people these prophecies like, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. And you know that for certainty. It's like, no, no, no. God's giving people these prophecies to tell the people so that they have hope. Uh, These prophecies are to drive uh, biblical understanding and faith in the one true God of the universe. Well, that's exactly right. And as you think about what God communicated through Jeremiah, um, talking about the fact that, yes, this is where you are, this is what's going on, but let me tell you, I have plans for you. So you, you fast forward to Jeremiah 29, and, and when uh, God communicates through Jeremiah to the exiles, I know the plans I have for you. So yes, settle in. You're going to be here for seven decades, but I'm not done with you guys. And, and there's, there's a plan beyond that. And again, understanding that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and understanding that God is the Alpha and the Omega, we can absolutely have hope that He knows what's going on, and His plans are not being thwarted even by things that are very, very difficult for us to endure or very, very difficult for us to understand. Now, drilling in a little bit more into this prophecy in Daniel, I was curious, why why are prophecies like this in Daniel and, and also in Revelation so heavy in symbolism? You know, I mean, even taking, you know, even taking Jeremiah 25, Jeremiah's like, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very straightforward, but yeah. like, why is that, you know, different than the symbolism Daniel's giving here? Well, I think that this harkens to a, a bit of a yearning in all of us. I would love for God to just say, here's what's going to happen in your life. When you're 23 years old, you're going to meet Aaron McGuire and, you know, 
13 months later, you all will be married. And then in 2008, you're going to have Griffin. And then in 2012, you're going to have Reagan. And then in 2016, you're going to come to First Baptist Church. And, you know, it's, it's not there. And so I think all of us would love to have that level of clarity, but that's not how God tells us to walk. That's not how God communicates with us. Um, he tells us to look to Him, not to look to His detailed plan of our lives, but to look to Him. Uh, Tommy Nelson says when he first came to Christ and he was talking with his mentor in Campus Crusade for Christ, um, he asked him, he said, how do I figure out God's will for my life? And his mentor said, you don't. He said, you do God's will and God will take care of his will for your life. And I thought, wow, there's a whole lot of wisdom there and there's a whole lot of freedom there. So we think about as I seek to live out the faith once for all delivered to the saints, as I seek to live out my personal journey that God has for me and the plans that he has for me, how do I do that? Well, you, you do the things he says. <laughs> you, you, you follow Jesus. And so if it's sinful, you don't do it. And if, if, it's, if it's not sinful, then it's open. And then it's, it's a matter of wisdom and, and discerning, God, do you want me to do this now? Um, so again, the answer is do God's will and God will take care of his will for your life. And, and to me, that's just a revolutionary way of looking at life. And, and it's been the way that I've been trying to look at my life over the course of the last, well, now many years, um, do the right thing in the right way with the right heart, according to the word of God, as you're led by the spirit of God and, and God will take care of the rest of the details. You know, it kind of makes me think about Jesus speaking in parables. And at some point his disciples asked him, why do you continue to teach us in parables? Why don't you just tell us? And actually, in Luke chapter 8, they asked him, uh, this is verse 9, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for, eth- but for others they are in parables so that, quote, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so the idea is this, that, that Jesus is explaining here that parables blind those who have resisted God's revelation while helping those who believe God's revelation. So Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so what is God doing through revelations like this to Daniel or revelations like us in Revelation, the book? Um, well, he's, he's calling us to look to him, to walk by faith. And while we may not have a detailed plan of exactly this is exactly how this is going to play out, the point is that we would fix our eyes on Jesus and that we would listen to his voice through his word, by his spirit, and that we would be able to discern his truth in the moment. So when you look at Daniel, yeah, I mean, we can, we can get into the weeds of why most scholars believe that these four beasts are these four kingdoms. So you start with Babylon, then you go to Medo-Persia, then you go to Greece and Alexander the Great, and then you go to Rome. And, and there are people who believe that, you know, when you go to Daniel chapter 2, you're talking about Rome, but in Daniel chapter 7, it's talking about a kingdom that has not yet been revealed even to us in 2023, kind of a revived Rome, this great worldwide force. But, but when you think about Rome, I mean, there was, there was no kingdom that was like Rome um, 
It, yeah. it was so vast, so expansive. Uh, the rule was was just so big. I think it's hard for us even to wrap our minds around it today. Um, so there, there are interpretations that differ. There are interpretations that differ insofar as even the identity of the fourth beast in Daniel chapter seven. But you can see some similarities when you look in Daniel and when you look in uh, Revelation, uh, knowing that, um, yeah, I think I think God communicates in this way so that those who who do not believe in his revelation, do not submit to his lordship, or like, see, it's all crazy. It doesn't make sense. And I think Jesus would tell us, no, as you fix your eyes on me, you desire to follow me. And as these things unfold, you will receive the wisdom from Almighty God through the Holy Spirit, uh, and you will be able to see, yeah, this is this happening. Uh, So... For example, in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus is talking about signs of the end of the age, you know, we're, we're seeking to discern these things as they come uh, and seeking always to follow Jesus no matter what. So again, it's, it's kind of the, the attitude and intention of our hearts. Do I seek to follow Jesus or do I think this is all hogwash? Um, and, and I think that uh, that's part of the purpose of the parables. The other thing is that he doesn't just give us an outline of, hey, in 2000, blah, 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 this is going to happen. And, you know, so that, again, we would walk by faith, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus and continue to trust and follow him. So let's press a little bit more into Daniel and Revelation here. How, how should a disciple approach studying these texts? So how do we get to the point where they are heavily symbolic, cryptic texts that we don't understand to being things that we can actually find edification in? I think that's a really good question, and I'll tell you the way that I approach it is simply by looking for people who are smarter than me, who have written, <laughs> written, reviewed works about it. Now, again, I mentioned yesterday there are a lot of different views of eschatology, and eschatology simply means the study of the end things, so that the end times and all the various things that that will lead up to it. Uh, again, three major schools: you've got premillennial, amillennial, and postmillennial. That's based on uh, the account of the millennium as recorded in Revelation chapter 20 and what people do with that. Uh, some people read Revelation very literally. Some people read Revelation very figuratively. And all of those people can be absolutely faithful followers of Jesus Christ who, who uphold the inerrancy and infallibility of Scripture. They're just looking at it a little bit differently. And so I would say that whether you're pre-mill, ah-mill, or post-mill, you can be a Christian and go to heaven and, and trust and follow Jesus and, and all those things. Um, I, uh, I I don't tell people what I am because, quite frankly, I don't want to. Uh, I want them to go to the Word of God uh, and look. Um, but uh, within those various camps, there are various ways of looking at it. So, if you're premillennial, for example, you can be traditional premillennial, or you can be dispensational premillennial. Uh, dispensationalism arose really toward the end of the 19th century and and into the 20th century uh, with the, with the Schofield reference Bible and and those sorts of things and um, 
and then dispensationalism really got a really got a, a helping hand when in 1948 Israel became a state again, and so yeah. uh, that a lot of folks have have looked at that and said, "Wow!" So we're starting to see these things. There's this in gathering, and uh, we're starting to see things happen, and so. Um, it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. But what I would say is this, um, have an open mind, obviously a Christ-centered open mind, but, but I'll tell you, one of my favorite books, and actually there are a couple of them, um, I love these perspective books where they get people who believe uh, certain views have certain interpretations of Scripture and write from their perspective uh, about their interpretation. And I love that because it's pure. It's, it's, not, it's not tainted. So if I'm describing something I don't believe, then I'm probably going to, even subconsciously, uh, describe it in a way that discredits it. So what I love is they get people who uh, write on the basis of their belief um, and, and give reasons why they believe that. And so I always enjoy reading those types of works. Um, so there's perspectives on the millennium and perspectives on uh, the tribulation and perspectives on uh, a rapture or a catching up of the church and what does that mean and, and all sorts of things. So I would encourage people, um, get a reputable, and I would recommend evangelical scholar, uh, and study and consider these things, recognizing that you know, scholars have disagreed about this for a long, long time. And I would say that they will disagree up until the point when it's all happening, at which point many of us will look around at each other and say, well, I was wrong about that. <laughs> but the, the key <laughs> issue is to stay focused on Jesus through it all. Amen. So that'll take us into today's listener question. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the link in the show notes or comment on the post below. Jeff, you mentioned that Daniel 7 takes place before the events of Daniel 6. Why are Daniel and a bunch of other books in the Bible not given in chronological order? That is a great question, and I think in order to answer it, we have to remove ourselves from our Western uh, contemporary frame of reference. We are so used to reading things um, based out of an, an understanding of reality that emerges from empiricism. So we have come out of modernity, and modernity was, was so um, profoundly shaping of our worldviews that, you know, we learn from science, and so if this, then that. So logic becomes very clear, and chronology becomes very important. And so in our Western culture, our contemporary Western culture, um, we want to be very accurate with, with details and flow and chronology and all those sorts of things. And in various cultures, even today, there is less emphasis placed on those sorts of things and more emphasis placed on others. So... For example, the way that the world is often described is, is that uh, there are various cultures, and, and we live uh, in a culture in North America, in the United States of America, that greatly values uh, innocence over guilt. And so everything's kind of framed in you're either an innocent person or a guilty person. Well, there are other cultures around the world today that value honor over shame. And so they will do whatever it takes to uphold honor 
even if that means that you forego innocence you you can be guilty and honorable and so they will they will pursue honor over shame no matter what whereas in our culture we would pursue innocence over guilt no matter what um, well, the same is true in storytelling, and the same is true in the way that different cultures over time emphasize different things. And uh, in the biblical world, it, the most important thing was not always chronology. It was the, the, the importance of the, the truth being shared. It was the way that the truth was grouped um, you know, you look at Daniel, for example, and you kind of have the first part of the book, with the exception of Daniel chapter 2, but even that fits within the narrative of Daniel. And then kind of the second part of the book that is really more prophetic and, and a lot more, um, uh, well, a lot less chronological in its, in its expression, um, but a lot more spiritual, I guess I would say. And so there, there are very important reasons why the authors do that. But, but in the cultures of the day, you got to remember, you know, two, three thousand years ago, people did things differently. And it's not that the way they did them was wrong. Um, it's just different from the way that we do them. And so when we approach Scripture, that's an important thing for us to remember, that often the authors are trying to emphasize things in a different way. And in their culture, um, chronology is not the most important thing. Yeah. And it's important to know that just from a apologetic perspective, because even when you go all the way back to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, they're very definitely not told in chronological order. That's I mean, right. You know, you start with Genesis and you go through, you know, you go forward in time, but especially with the accounts of the Israelites in the wilderness, if you just follow it, like going straight forward, they are not told in chronological order right. because they'll tell you, you know, this happened, you know, at Sinai, this was after Sinai, this was this, you know, and that was not a problem. Like you're saying, that's just them grouping things, how they wanted to group them, which is, you know, thematic. A lot of times there'll yep. be similar commandments that are similar to the narratives that are being told. So it's better to like lump certain things together, even when they didn't happen one, one or after another. That's exactly right. And you even asked the questions about the Gospels. You know, why why are the synoptics yeah. so different from John and what, you know. And again, <laughs> they lived in a different world, in a different culture, and, and chronology was not the most important thing. And so, as you said, it's important even apologetically to be able to recognize that perhaps they looked at and judged uh, what was being communicated through different lenses, whereas we look at things very empirically. Um, but even if, let's say, for example, you've got um, a bunch of eyewitnesses of a car crash, they're going to all describe it differently. And it doesn't mean that any of them are wrong necessarily, and it certainly doesn't mean that any of them are, are seeking to be untruthful, but they're going to have different perspectives. And so that's why we have four Gospels, so that we can see four different perspectives um, about the life of Jesus that, that we can communicate to, to various different audiences in the ways that would speak to their hearts about the life of Jesus. And the same is true about Scripture. And so that's an important point to remember. Um, so, so don't be thrown off by that. Right now in our church, we are going through the Bible uh, chronologically. 
and so you kind of jump around <laughs> you you get around and and I think that that's satisfying to those of us who are reading the Bible from a Western point of view in 2023 that we can see the chronology but that doesn't make the Bible in its pure straightforward um, expression wrong in any way yeah man Jeff we have hit a lot today we hit eschatology we hit apologetics uh, what are other big topics we can lump in? How about, oh, man. Uh, politics? Or... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's just jump yeah. into the deep end. Yeah. Can you pray us out for today? I can. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We thank you that nothing catches you off guard ever. Because, Lord, to be honest, there's a lot of things that catch us off guard. But you know the plans that you have for us plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. And in Jesus Christ, that future is glorious and it is everlasting. And so, Lord, although you do not lay out for us the distinct outline of exactly when things are going to happen in our lives and what they will mean, you do call us to look to you, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to run with perseverance the race marked out for us, and to recognize along the way that even when we don't understand, you do and that's enough. And so, Lord, help us to run with perseverance, to run by faith, to run filled to overflowing by your Holy Spirit, and help us to glorify you all along the way. We ask these things trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editor is Chad Walden.